How are you doing? This is Ed Marshall, Chartered Financial Planner, with my co-host, Jed Wiley. And this is Mindset Marketing Money, the podcast you literally cannot afford to miss. Jed, how are you doing today? I'm very well. It's sunny. There's, everything is completely right with the world. You know, we're, we're all good to go. Yep. No, no, no hint of a pandemic or any kind of troubles on the horizon. Everything's cool. None whatsoever. And just to set the scene, it's the end of a very busy working week for us. And there's an awful lot that's happened during the week in terms of business, in terms of uh, government announcements as well. And, you know, this is the show where we really, really want to focus on let's manage the things that we can control. And then the things that we can't will end up taking care of themselves. Right, Jed? Yeah, it's, that is, that's, that's completely right. And it's, I think, very often as business owners, managers, we, we become... I, I suppose we end up focusing on things which we cannot control, and they're the things that create anxiety and stress. You know, anything that's outside your purview, your ability to, to immediately affect, causes stress. And I've often felt that, you know, in, in all of the occasions where I've been stressed, it's because I haven't been able to control the, the circumstances of that stress. Whereas focusing on the things that you can control. And literally the only thing I can control is me, right? I can't control any of the external elements out there. I can't control staff. I can't control customers. I can't control other people's decisions. I am completely powerless in, in that respect. It's but only... you, are the, you are the one variable in life that you've yeah. got some, influence, some direct influence over. Yeah, that's it. It's just, it's just me. I, I, and so, I mean, that's interesting because it makes you responsible. That, that sense of, of control of just being able to control yourself means that you're responsible for all of your actions. You may be able to influence things. That's different. You don't have control over those. You know, I might be able to talk to a customer and, and suggest a way forwards for them and an approach, but I can't actually physically make them do it. And that's, no. you know, has always fascinated me. That's one of the, the mindset things that, you know, we, we've, we've talked about in the past about, about where your control begins and ends, and it begins and ends with you. It does, and that, the mindset is everything, because you know that voice that you hear when you talk to yourself, and we all do it, and it's about what words are you actually saying to yourself? What sort of positive language and mindset are you able to live every single day? And then that translates through into your actions. And we could spend a whole episode of the show talking about how you can become truly a master of your own mindset. But that's you communicating to yourself and indeed the one variable that you've got control over. But what about when you communicate to other people? Now, there are so many different methods by which we can talk to our clients. And that can be whether it's um, verbal communication, actually speaking to somebody face-to-face, -face, whether we're speaking to them over the phone, whether we're communicating with them via email or text. But let's face it, so much communication happens on a one-way transfer of information. And that is when somebody lands on your website. And one of the things, Jed, we really want to cover off today in terms of communication is about communicating consistently and communicating effectively. Let's just frame this up for a second. You can have a government making an, an announcement about changes to uh, rules with regards to coronavirus. And you can have one minister saying one thing, you can have another minister saying another, and then you can have the government website saying something completely different. Now, what's gone on there in terms of communication? 
who only knows but there is only one correct outcome and one correct message and the place that you might choose to go to for that would be the website I think that's probably a safer bet than relying on something that somebody said or a soundbite so Jed updating your website how many businesses are we still coming across where there is no COVID update on their website so you don't actually know how they're operating are they operating at all I mean, is this how often do you come across this maybe with your clients or people reaching out to you for help yeah it is a pretty frequent thing actually um although lots of people have have successfully put covid statements up there that sometimes they don't necessarily um say the say reflect the current status of where we are um right now with with the uh with the whole Health, whole health issue and of course it varies wildly from um, from one sector to another it always varies from one sector to another and it varies from one business to another and one business may be having an absolutely terrible time trying to deal with all of the complexities of, of, of COVID and haven't managed to figure out how to deliver their service or if they have they haven't managed to figure out how to deliver it so that their customers have got a level 10 confidence that they're in a safe environment with a company that truly cares about them but meanwhile another business a competitor could be in exactly the same industry, therefore, has actually A, figured out how to nail it, and B, figured out how to communicate it. So you've got two businesses in the same industry could be doing exactly the same thing in terms of keeping people safe and out there to do business, but one communicates it effectively on the website and the other doesn't. So who's claiming the market share and who's going to be uh, generating the revenue right now? Yeah, precisely. And it's very much down to how well the business empathizes with the customer and this is this is not just at the heart of communication on a website but it's just at the heart of marketing it's all about empathy your ability to put yourself as a business owner actually in your customers shoes and see the world from their perspective and understand what they want to see and hear from you and so often we find that businesses flip that around 180 degrees and they want to talk about themselves because the reality is that we all want to talk about ourselves that's that's just the nature of of being a human being you want to talk about yourself we're self-focused that's perfectly natural and anybody who is writing for a business will have the tendency to think about their own position first before they consider the customer position but that's actually, it's the customer position, which is the mm. most crucial element. It's the thing that will, is the, the light and dark between success and failure on, on a website or indeed any communication that you've got going out. So customer position, but even another word to use, perception. Because yeah. we might think we've got something nailed, but the customer's perception of whether that's the case or not is very much going to be rooted to their view of the world their values, their beliefs. And it's, it's, wonder, it's a wonderfully liberating thing to be able to actually, A, figure out what it is that your ideal clients feel and think, and then B, be able to figure out, well, okay, I can communicate to them effectively to let them know we've got their backs and we're ready to do business with them and to have fun being able to communicate, to have that resonance with them. That resonance is it's so important because it breeds confidence. And, and that, that customer perception is an essential ingredient 
in being empathic and the way in which you write and you communicate. You have to understand the customer's perceptions of you, your business, their world view, their entire perspective on the universe in order for you to be able to communicate effectively. And that's not an easy thing to do. But it isn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no it, you, but there is the opportunity to get it very, very right and to get it consistently right. Yeah, and this is, this is where in marketing we fall back on avatars. We fall back on ideal customers, notions of who actually is our best customer out there. And then let's write to them. Let's write to them from the heart and, and make them feel heard in the communication that we have. Because if we're always just making statements, if we're always just offering out the, um, the, the, the thing that we do, if you like, the service or the product, if, that's all, if we're constantly in a state of pitching, then it switches people off pretty quickly. Because it does, it does. But if you're... Sorry, Jed. No, carry on. <laughs> well, I'd kind of stopped anyway, say, though. That's a good... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Our... <laughs> to be able to say our clients have told us and therefore this is what we are doing for you. Yeah. You know, doesn't that just make it all about, A, they feel that A, they're not alone because there are other people just like them and B, they're understood and this is what is being done to make their experience as good as it can possibly be. Yeah. Uh, this is what I was saying. You can really play, it, play around with this and, and have fun with it. But it's, it's so important to make sure that what you're communicating as well is actually the reality. Because you've got two extreme polarizing sort of uh, views, uh, points here. You can have one business that looks like it's doing everything, but in actual fact, completely fails to live up to those promises. Or you could have the other business that's actually got it really sus. They're providing excellent care and an excellent product or service, whatever it is that the market wants at this time. But they're not telling the world about it. And either one is, is a crime, one missed opportunity, and the other, well, making promises it can't fulfill. Yeah, and we, and we all know the story of, of VHS versus Betamax. If you're old enough, if you're old enough like me and you actually remember Betamax coming out, as, I'm sure there's people listening to this going, what is Betamax, right? But there's many, there's many, people listening to go, well, what's the CD? I mean, yeah, that's, well, yeah, oh, dear, oh, no, we're showing You're really showing again. your age now, Jed. Yeah, yeah well, this, this is why we don't do this in video and we do it as a podcast because then they just see how wrinkly we truly it's are. everybody guessing. Um, and I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm old than you so i'm putting you into my camp that's unfair right okay but, but yeah. many many years ago back in the mists of time i think in the 80s um there was this there was a the, there were two competing uh systems that enabled you to record stuff from tvs one was vhs and the other one was betamax and everybody knew that betamax was the better of the two it had better quality uh the, the system was better overall it kind of gave you stereo sound and all lots of all sorts of good stuff and it had more flexibility as well you could get more content onto the tapes um and vhs was the lesser of the two mm -hmm. weirdly vhs became the preeminent solution simply because the marketing was better uh -huh. uh, and it just got itself out there it's um it got a foothold in, into the into the marketplace everybody started talking about vhs they made a terrific success of the marketing and betamax waned and eventually died so it doesn't mm -hmm. mean automatically that because a business has a better solution a better product that automatically 
it's going to be successful. Because without that major component of effective marketing and decent communication backing up that marketing, then yeah. there's, there's every chance that it could fail. So yeah. it becomes so critical to any business, the whole communication um, equation. And of course, your website is the primary outlet for that. You know, if the, the first time anybody's going to have any kind of connection with you, unless you're a walk-in bricks and mortar um, uh, retail establishment, is most likely to be the website. That's the first port of call. Their first touch point with you as a business is going to be the website. Are you saying the right things? Are you communicating effectively? Have you got your customers back? Are you demonstrating empathy towards them? All of those things will be going on in that customer's mind when they first hit your website. So it becomes so important that this is a, a tool that when you, when you look at it as a business owner, look at it from fresh eyes, look at it from the point of view of your customer. Don't just see it as, as, as a tool to just expound everything about your business, but look at it from the, their perspective because it will be interesting. You'll start to see some gaps. And those are gaps that you can plug. And uh, one thing which I just will say about websites is that just remember that they are your best possible salesman or salesperson, I should say. That 24-7, you have a website that is doing its level best to sell on your behalf. So any improvement that you can make will mean that it will, it will constantly make that improvement for you forevermore. So, so you know, always really, going to be there working. Yeah, yeah I, I, I get that. And, I, and even to say, because shopping patterns have changed. So if we're going to go onto the high street for a moment, let's think about the fact that somebody might be making a specific journey to come to your store. But before they come to your store, they think, well, actually, I wonder what you're doing with regards to COVID at the moment. So maybe they're even going to check out your website to see what your message is to them as a customer who wants to visit their shop. And they need a few reassuring words again to let them know. So don't make these, don't make assumptions because more than ever, people are relying on the web. What I love in, in our role as, as chartered financial planners, I mean, we're looking after clients all ages, Jed, and being able to uh, get the sort of the, more, the, the older generation hooked up with, with tablets and on their computers to be able to Zoom with us, having virtual meetings instead of face-to-face. -face. And you know what? It's the grandkids that are often getting the grandparents set up with really? the technology. <laughs> yeah, surprise And me. it's the grandparents then who are like, whoa, look at this whole world that is suddenly available to me online. They're discovering it properly for the first time. And now they're shopping online and they're checking out what it is that their stores are actually doing. They're clicking and collecting. They're doing all these things. So you've literally opened up the World Wide Web to a generation that was kind of dipping its toe in the water, but is now ended up relying upon it to a greater and greater extent. So it is right across the board, more important than it has ever been. Everything that you just said about websites and getting your message out. Yeah. And now is the time if you haven't already. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, what you say is dead right. And I hadn't thought about that before, but you, but that's true. Um, uh, just, just thinking, you know, our own personal circumstances. Um, you know, my, my mum is now, talking to our son via zoom right whereas before she would have picked up the phone now they're having video conference calls uh mostly so that she can uh, help him sort out her, his uh, his english because he's deep into jane eyre at the moment which is uh, <laughs> which is not <laughs> but isn't this amazing as a result <laughs> as so, a result so, yeah. of all of this as a result of covid what we've actually got is even though we are disconnected physically 
um, to, to a greater extent than we really have ever been before. We have the opportunity and we are seeing people being more connected socially than ever before. And I'm not talking here about social media. I'm talking about meaningful human to human relationships being facilitated via the likes of Zoom or Teams or Skype or WhatsApp voice call or video calls, whatever it is, people are connecting as they haven't done before. And families are actually spending in many cases more hours together over the course of the year virtually than they ever would have spent together physically. I mean, families saying, well, actually, yeah, every Sunday now at six o'clock, we meet up. The quizzes are still happening. Uh, or people are just pouring a glass of wine or making a cup of tea and a biscuit and having a good catch up for half an hour. And it's become part of the routine. And I think it's a wonderful thing that it has been able to bring so many people together, even though the physical uh, limitations can make life challenging for many. And, and we totally get that. But moving on, talking about consistent communication, Jed, and how important it is to be doing a great job with the boots on the ground and communicating that via the website. There are a couple of occasions when it can go tragically wrong. And I really want you to tell the story of clam chowder because I'm intrigued with this. <laughs> We've sort of touched on a couple of, um, a couple of Stephen Covey points here because I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Stephen Covey. For those of you that, that haven't come across him before, he, um, you probably know him from the title of the book that he most famously wrote, which was uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And... Interestingly, one of the things that we've just been talking about, about communication and empathy around that, is one of those habits, which is seek first to understand and then to be understood. In other words, mm -hmm. listen first, then speak, right? Get a sense of what the other person's view of the world is and then talk about your own. Um, people often react and feel better under those circumstances. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that we've been talking about bef before um, we... we we, we started recording the podcast was the story of clam chowder. And this is, this is about production versus production capability. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in any business, you, you have the capability of producing something, your product or your service, and then you actually have the service and product which you end up with at the end of that. So if you imagine something simple like Cadbury's, right, it starts off with a bunch of coca beans being, delivered to their factory and it ends up as being a Cadbury's cream egg or something. Oh, I miss Cadbury's cream eggs. <laughs> You're making me Bring hungry now. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's just throwing me. I'm no? <laughs> just seeing Cadbury's cream eggs. Maybe a Freddo. Um, yeah. So your your production capability is the bit that turns it from the cocoa bean into the into the cream egg. And what you produce, the cream egg, is the thing that you then go and sell. But there is a, there's a tension between the two. If you imagine it differently and think about, about it in terms of the goose and the golden egg. So the, you can, um, we, you, know, you, know the, you know the fable, right? So as a business, we are always looking to maximize our ability to produce. So we want to run the machinery as hot as possible. We want to get the maximum out of it. We want the fastest ability to be able to produce the thing that we can then sell because that means we've got more to sell. Absolutely. But, I want greatest efficiencies for minimum cost. Precisely. Business owner. Yeah. So how do we do that? Yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's, the, that's the, the mythical point that we want to get to, right? Yeah, of course. There's, there's a payoff, unfortunately, and it's very rare to, to see it. And the payoff is that if you run the machine hot all the time, so for example, if you have a, a, a piece of machinery 
and you just run it at 150%. Well, your production capability goes sky high and your profits will go sky high with it. But unfortunately, that machine will wear out. Suddenly, you'll have downtime. Then the production capability falls to an absolute you know, minimum. And now you, you may be even in a worse situation because you've got to replace the entire piece of machinery, which is completely hammered, rather than just maintain it, which would have been better. So, Yeah, and predictably, you haven't built in any spare capacity because you've been running everything uh, as, uh, ramped up as high as you possibly can. So everything's going to come to a bit of a grinding halt. Yeah. And, and people, businesses do this with people, actually. They do. Because they run, they run their good people up to the very, very maximum of their, of, their, um, of their capability. And they'll have them answering emails at home, and they'll have them you know, working late, and it'll become a culture, and very quickly it's not something you can escape from, and people get burnt out and they move on. And then the business wonders why people, good people, are leaving or moving on. And actually, it's because of the way in which they've been treated and they're being seen as, as a production machine. But you can actually only run that machine hot for so long. And the, 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 um, the real-life example of this was a, a company over in America. And this is a story that I am retelling from, uh, from Stephen Covey. And, and this is the, the story okay. of this... This restaurant, and I forget which city it was in, but it, it produced the most incredible clam chowder. And it gathered a reputation for it. And people would just queue from blocks and blocks and blocks away from it and, and, you know, during, the, during lunchtime. And they would queue because this was just an amazing product that this restaurant produced day after day after day. And eventually, the, the owner, Upton, retired and handed it over to somebody else. And the new owners came in and they thought, hey, you know what? We've got this amazing product and people are queuing for miles and miles and miles. But actually, we can make more profit out of this because if we kind of water it down and don't use such mm -hmm. great ingredients as we did before, then it won't cost us as much, but we'll still be able to sell. And then, you know, our profits will go sky high. And actually, that's exactly what happened. So the profits soared, obviously, because they'd reduced their costs right down to a minimum, and people were still queuing for the stuff. But it had an interesting effect. It created a disbelief in the people that, that were buying it, because they got it, and they, they tasted it, and it wasn't quite the same as it was before. Um, but it maybe was just a bad batch. So people would overcome that. And what was happening day after day, week after week that this continued, was that their loyalty as a customer base was being tested. And it took, takes a while for people to acknowledge the truth because loyalty puts the brakes on that. And it takes repetition before you realize, actually, hang on a minute, something has fundamentally changed. Yeah, don't take advantage of your customers because loyalty and habit are two really, really powerful uh, things that you have, um, you know, available to you. You know, you have an emotional bank account with your clients. Think about it this way: as an emotional bank account, and you deliver great service, you deliver great product, and good value for money, and you, you, you're topping up that bank account all the time. You've got a nice, healthy surplus balance in there. But you know what? Occasionally, you're going to get something wrong. But you can make a withdrawal out of that bank account and you're still okay. You've got a good balance. But you keep on making withdrawals, that habit, that loyalty, that's only going to last so far. When you get into negative territory, when you get into that overdraft, well, you know what? It starts getting very expensive to put things right at that point.
Exactly. And for, for this business, they lost the trust of their customers. And they lost it so fundamentally that the customers then decided that actually this is how it's going to be. This is how the clam chowder is from now on. And they accepted that that's how it was. But they rejected it. They rejected it and therefore their sales disappeared. So mm -hmm. for a while their production capability was sky high. But then eventually the chickens came home to roost and it died completely. And in fact, the business went under after that. And the thing to remember about this, I think, is that customers are always volunteers. They're always raising their hand and saying, okay, I volunteer to have your service. And part of that is the exchange of value between you and them. You give them something, they give you money. But how you treat them is so key. And if you, if you step back and see your customer base as volunteers who are prepared to use you when they could use others, and they're prepared to put that loyalty on the line and accept the idea of the emotional bank account between you and them, mm. then you feel differently about, about them because you feel more respectful towards them. Because if they're volunteers, they can choose to volunteer with their feet and go elsewhere. So that idea that, that for a while you can, you can increase your profitability by by messing with your production capability, as the clam chowder restaurant proved, ultimately is unbalanced. And it will throw people out of your business because they will see that, in reality, you are doing them a disservice. So it's yeah. a, a and, and customers are quick. They, they, they know. They, they know. And there's only so much slack that people are, are going to give you in that sort of situation. I... Um, I had, a, I had a really uh, interesting uh, situation with a brewery up, up in Scotland recently. And uh, I was really, really excited to be able to go and try this particular beer uh, on this particular island. And I was, I was, I was happy, happy to be, to be able to, one of the things I was looking forward to experiencing while I was going out there. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to go to the brewery. I can't get a brewery tour because of COVID. That's fine. I'll, I'll look forward to going to the shop and, and, and checking out the different beers. And I've noticed they had a couple of their beers in the local supermarket. A, a day before and I bought a couple and I thought this beer just tastes wonderful it was a very very good price as well in the supermarket I go to the brewery shop the bottles are 20% more expensive <laughs> find them from the shop that the brewery is literally brewing the beer out the back of and so I said uh, these two beers here you've got in the local supermarket and they're 20% cheaper um, so how about you know a price match on those and uh, but I'll, I'll take these other bottles at full price I appreciate you're, you're not selling those through the supermarket Oh, no, we can't do that. Well, why is that? We just can't. So you're going to insist on selling me these bottles at full price when I can go to the supermarket, who you've had to sell them to, who's selling them at a cheaper price than you? Yes, in a nutshell. I say, do you want to buy them anyway, was the question. But no, out of principle, <laughs> I cannot pay you 20% more for these two beers when I can go to the supermarket that you probably sold them to a pound a bottle less at, and, and I'll, go, I'll go buy them for cheaper. So talk about looking after your customers. You know, there was an expectation and there was an expectation. Absolutely. Sort of. So now, I mean, I still like the beer, but I've got a kind of a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, really, because a business could be so badly run <laughs> yeah. that that kind of thing can occur. It kind of comes back to the clam chowder. It's taking people for granted. So kind of like, well, yeah, I like the beer, but my, my impression of them as a brand 
now has been unfortunately kind of severely tarnished because of that complete sort of mismanagement in my view of uh, of how to treat a customer oh i just hate that when you just feel so stitched up and it's unnecessary yeah. as well and and it's, it's very often it's because of you know businesses or staff being fearful and not wanting to not you know mess with something as fundamental as price but Somebody should be looking at that and making a decision because, as you, as you correctly point out, where you've got uh, price differentiation in the marketplace, which is so obvious, and on a Scottish island, you're going to find out pretty quickly that there is as well. You certainly do. Then you are just drawing from that emotional bank account of loyalty and trust before you've even put anything into it. It's going straight into, into being overdrawn right away. Jed, um, you have just summed that up beautifully. That is, that is the, the lesson you've made a withdrawal from the bank account before you've even put anything into it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, it goes, it goes back to the, the, the point that we were making at the, uh, at the top of the show about empathy. And that is, in all, you, you recognize as a business not to do that when you have empathy for your customers because you wouldn't do that to, you wouldn't want that done to you, right? Mm. <laughs> you, would, you want people to, to, feel, to feel understood. And um, at this time, people want to feel understood more than ever because of the uncertainty that's out there. We know that consumers, people, the public, you and I, we want to feel understood. We want to feel loved. We want to feel like we are treasured, that we're appreciated. And we look for pleasure in places that we perhaps wouldn't have looked for pleasure you know, in the past. We enjoy little things a lot more than we would have done before because in many ways, lives have become simpler. So as a business, right now, it's your opportunity to be making lots and lots of awesome little impressions because at some point, this global economy, not just the UK, not just a Scottish island, this global economy is going to gain mega traction. There's never been more money in the world than there is right now. It's just that the velocity of money is moving real slow and the global economies are kind of stagnating. But at the point that we get traction going within the economy again, and that's because infection rates are down, treatments are there, vaccines, everything else, we are going to see an explosion in trade. And you want to know that you have been doing everything that you can do in the intervening period to be building all the goodwill, all the goodwill and all the loyalty with your customer base that you possibly can do, increasing your market share, getting ready to capitalize on it. And that is what we need to be focusing on for our next episode, because I really want to talk about the global marketplace. And I really want to talk about what it's going to be like when we start coming out of this, because it's looking big and it's looking very, very exciting. Fantastic. That's that's a really good summing up, Ed. Thank you very much for that. And we will be looking at this, at this global marketplace because it's, it's going to affect us all. Even if you're not, even if you don't see yourself as part of that marketplace right now, you are really. Mm -hmm. And, it, and yeah. it will affect you. So you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll know where it is geographically you want to be pitching, but you are, by definition of having a presence on the web, open to the world. Absolutely. Perfect. There right we go. Then. Lined up for the next episode. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Uh, we will see you. Yeah, I keep saying this at the end of these episodes. I keep saying we will see you. And yet I've already talked about the fact that you don't want to see me 
All right, that's the last thing that you people... Especially not today, Jed. Especially today. Oh, thanks for that vote. Quarter past four on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Folks... The week shows. We shall, we shall talk to you again very soon. It, and if, if, you, uh, if you get an opportunity, yep, do subscribe. Drop us a line. We're always uh, interested in hearing back uh, from uh, everybody that listens to the show. So take care of yourselves. We'll see you very soon. See you again soon.